You're listening to audio from the West End Community Church in McGregor, Manitoba. And I shared with you how often I was uncomfortable with my name. And uh, Myron Enns actually said at the door last Sunday, I was never uncomfortable with my name until this Sunday. Uh, So sorry about that, Myron. But I did a little more research, and actually, it's not just a fragrant field. It's actually, uh, it actually means myrrh, which is something that they poured on the dead people. So... uh, so there you go. There's another little fact, Myron. Um, I, I did some, um, just, I was curious. I mean, I think it's, it's important that we, uh, we talk about, as we are discussing the subject of names, and here at West End during the Christmas season, what we're trying to do is we are trying to evaluate, or we are looking into the different names for the babe at Christmas. We're, we're looking at the different names that are referenced when they talk about um, Jesus. And last week we talked about <clears throat> we talked about um, the Christ when Jesus is called the Christ. And this week we want to um, talk about a different name, but. Uh, I was thinking about, um, and I was, I was just starting to be a little bit curious, and, and so I started looking up names of different people that I know, um, and uh, Benjamin, my son, his, uh, his name means son of the right hand. Boy, that sounds good, doesn't it? I guess I'm the right hand. Um, Aaron is uh, mountain of strength and exalted and strong. Abby means my father's joy. Well named. And then I looked up my wife's name and it means lame one. <laughs> and I, I I looked it up and then I kind of stared at it for a bit and then I kind of googled a little bit more and is there another name or is there another meaning for Claudette it just keeps coming up lame and uh and I went home last night and I said did you know your name means lame and she said yes it's been a disappointment ever since I found out uh I looked I looked up a few more names and uh Marvin uh, as in Marv, his name means sea friend. Sea friend. Uh, I, you, are you around the sea? Well, I mean, you did grow up in BC, so that makes sense. Uh, Matthew, Pastor Matt, means gift of God. Peter, uh, if your name is Peter, it means rock. And that's a pretty easy one. We know that one. Um, Bethany means desire for goodness or, or a house of happiness. Henry, Henry. Your name means house ruler. Does that make sense to you, Susan? Or I don't know. Uh, Susan, your name means lily of the valley. Uh, I did uh, Verna's name, springtime. I did uh, Dean's name, law, 
justice, verdict, makes sense. Uh, Roxy means dawn. Uh, there were a couple more here. This is my favorite, I have to honestly admit. <laughs> Brenda's name, uh, Brenda, your name means flaming sword. <laughs> uh, I'm so glad that I looked that up. Oh, man. Would you pray with me as we, uh, we begin our, our time together in the word? Heavenly Father, it is good to be in this place today. And I am so thankful that you have brought each and every one of us to this place today. I'm thankful that we can look into your word. I'm thankful that we can see what you want us to see there this morning. And, and Father, it is, it is so good to have the opportunity to hear what you want to teach us this morning. And so, Father, I pray that not that you would speak to us. We know you will do that. You're going to speak to each and every one of us in, in our own way, in a way that we can hear, but... I think what's most important is, is Father, that we would, we would actually listen. That we would hear what it is you want us to hear this morning. And, and, and not just so that we hear it and then forget about it, go on with the rest of our day. But, but Father, I pray that today something in your word, something that you say through, through me, or maybe that you say directly to uh, our inner, in our inner being, Father, I pray that that would change something, that it would resonate with us, that it would be something that we wouldn't be able to let go of. And that ultimately it would just, it would change the trajectory of our lives. That is our prayer. That is what we hope. thank you and we worship you with with gladness today we pray this in Jesus name amen well as I said this Christmas season here at West End we are talking and we're giving special consideration to the idea of the, the names for the baby that we celebrate at Christmas time the name Emmanuel, the name Christ, the name Son of God, the name the Lamb, the Light, all these different ideas and all these, these words are attached to, to this baby that was born into a stable. Perhaps the most familiar name of all is the one that we want to talk about this morning, and it is the name Jesus. It is the name given for 
the child by the angel who came and he brought a message to Joseph, the father-to-be. And it's in that passage that Pastor Matt already read for us and, and I would ask you maybe just to, to turn back there to Matthew chapter one. We're gonna reference it just a little bit. <clears throat> in Matthew chapter 18 or sorry, Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Uh, Verse 18 says this, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit, and she will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. For he will save his people from their sins. The the Christmas story, it's unusual, isn't it? I mean, it is a story that is is familiar. Whether you are coming to church for the very first time or whether you're coming to it for, you know, this is the, 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 whatever, 500, 1,000, however many times you've ever been to church, we all know the Christmas story. We know it. It is unusual, but it is familiar. It is famous, and it is something that is very personal at the same time. The story at the heart of Christmas is this young couple that we gather is very much in love, There is a betrothal, there is a plan for a wedding, and then there is this news that kind of is a kind of a wrench in the plans. All of a sudden, in the middle of all the excitement and the planning for a wedding and and all these different things, there's a trip that's on the horizon, they're going to have to go back to their hometown because of a census, and all these things, all of a sudden, whoa, there's a baby on the way. And Joseph knows, that's not my baby. I wonder what kind of emotions would have been. There there would have been a a swirl of emotions. There would have been just this myriad of of, um, feelings that, you know, betrayal, anger, sadness, despair. All these different things probably were attacking Joseph when he first heard the news that his wife-to-be, the one that had been promised to him, was already with child. I mean, those are just his emotions. Can you imagine what other people were saying in the community where Mary and Joseph were living in Nazareth? Can you imagine? I mean, think about... (laughs) Think about the the way gossip spreads here in 2023. Think about um, in this world that um, really is in a lot of ways very immoral, even in this world, 
things like that. Those things are gossiped about. Those things are talked about. Joseph wouldn't have been able to get away from that. There's no way. And even though all this was going on, I find it amazing that when we read in the scriptures there, and her husband Joseph, being a just man, I want to sit down with this guy in heaven someday. And unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. This was a good man. I believe it wholeheartedly. Joseph was a good man. All of this happened before he, in a, in a dream, in, when he was asleep, he was visited by this angel with this message. But we know that this message, we know that this angel and, and the visitation that he had really changed the course of everything that he was going to be doing, right? Right? I mean, how would you manage that situation before, before you get the message? How would you manage it? What is the best way forward with the least amount of shame and the least amount of embarrassment for this woman that I thought I loved? Going it away, you know, just this, this whole idea of damage control. And then the angel in a dream and a message, Joseph, have no fear. You know, Mary's done nothing wrong. Don't cancel the wedding. The, the baby is from heaven above. The baby is from the Holy Spirit. And you are to give this baby a special name, Jesus. Jesus. Because he will save his people from their sin. The name Jesus simply means the Lord is salvation. Or the Lord saves. And so the name Jesus, it is laden with with meaning. It is laden with this... um, Well, I mean, the angel's message draws out what Jesus' name means. You will call him Jesus, for he is going to save his people from their sins. And it is a beautiful name. It is a familiar name. It is a name that we read about. It is a name that we think about. It is a name that we pray to over and over again. And it is a name that teaches us some profound lessons. And I want to highlight just two this morning. Just two Profound lessons that the name Jesus teaches us. I know that there are more, but but these ones are probably the most important in my very humble opinion. Two lessons. Here's the first one. And the first one carries with it a problem. Reed, you want to just go to the next slide there? Thanks. There is some bad news attached here. I thought I would share the bad news first, then I'd go to the good news. Okay? So there's good news and bad news. Bad news first. The bad news first is this, that we need saving from our sin. It, it can't be said any more simply than that. And I think that most of us really recognize that this morning, right? We recognize that we need saving from our sin. The message that was given to Joseph, that it came from heaven above 
through an angel, and this angel intimated to Joseph, and ultimately by extension to us, that there is a salvation that is needed. There is a saving that is needed. The message is that you and me and everybody else who has ever lived or whoever else will live, everybody else who has ever existed, we need to be saved. And I don't know if, if, this is, if this is something that is new to you, if this is something that, that I, you are just hearing for the first time, it's a privilege, if it is, to be able to tell you that you need saving. Sometimes we are put into situations or we put ourselves into situations where we are in danger and we don't even know it. Uh, I've spoken at camp before and I've shared a story and I've tried to, to find if this is actually a true story. I don't know if it is or not, but this is the story. Um, there's a girl, her name is Jennifer, and uh, she was driving alone in a really bad part of um, um, New York City. She was lost she was almost out of gas, uh, and, and she was frightened out of her mind. And she got to the point where she did indeed run out of gas. She, she was in the middle of this intersection. Her car would not start. She didn't realize that she was uh, out of gas, and she tried to start her car, start her car, start her car. Nothing would work until her battery died. And then, sure enough, panicky, not sure where to go, not sure where she was, not wanting to leave her car, out of the darkness comes the largest man she's ever seen in her life, tattooed from head to foot. And he goes, tries to get her attention. She is, by this point, screaming. And... uh, so she can't hear what he's having to say. He goes to the, pass, uh, to the driver's door, tries to open it. It's locked. Goes to the back door, tries, tries all four doors. All, Jennifer is no fool. She had already locked the doors. And uh, so he stands there, this big guy, and uh, he looks at the car for a couple more seconds, and then he just kind of leaves. And Jennifer takes a breath, um, scared, still scared out of her mind, but, you know, just the immediate danger is, is, has passed. And then just as she's, you know, just ready to make her next move, the, the man returns. And this time he's got a big steel pipe in his hand. Uh, I don't know, pipes are steel? Yeah, I mean, well, let's just say that they were. Um, and uh, so he goes, and, and Jennifer just, you know, ramps it up. She just... Um, she starts screaming again and this guy he goes to the uh, to the driver's door and uh, he just waxed her window with his pipe and breaks it obviously and she moves to the other side of the car and he unlocks the door and he he opens it and he reaches in and he grabs her by the ankle and this girl Jennifer she fights for her life uh, 
and, uh, and she injures him. She breaks a couple of his ribs. She breaks his cheekbone and, and all this sort of stuff. But finally, this guy is just too strong. And he just grabs her and he pulls her out of the car and he drags her over to the sidewalk. And then he just walks away. And even before Jennifer can get a, a moment to breathe, a train comes through the intersection and splits her car in two. See, all this man had been trying to do was to try to save her because she was in danger and she was so freaked out she didn't know that she had parked or she had stalled her car on a railway uh, crossing. And all the men have been trying to do. And, and that's the way it is, I think, sometimes for us. One, we don't know that we're in danger. And two, when someone is trying to save us, we fight against it. We kick and we scream because we don't want to hear that we're actually helpless, that we're actually in danger. But this is the truth, everyone. You. If you are a human being on this earth, it doesn't matter where you are, it doesn't matter what you've done, it doesn't matter how wealthy you are, how poor you are, it doesn't matter how big, small, young, old, you need saving from your sin. It's a big problem. It's bad news. And part of that bad news is, is the fact that There is nothing that you can do to save yourself. Nothing. You need saving. The Bible tells, the Bible tells us that you and I, we are in danger, whether we know it or not. We have got a serious situation on our hands. And, and, and that serious situation, it is sin. The Bible tells us that we were created, that we were made in love, and uh, we were made to love. We were made to honor God. We were made to obey him. We were made to respond to the good gifts that he gave us in creation with gratitude and obedience and praise and all these different things. None of us, not you, not me, we have not done that perfectly. In fact, we have done it very imperfectly. None of us has done as we ought. None of us has, has lived in this, this mystical space we call perfect obedience. The Bible says that that is a significant problem. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's what the Bible says. That means you, me, everyone else, we have all fallen short of the glory of God. We have all sinned. Now, on the one level, I, I think that maybe most of us understand that. Maybe this, is the, this isn't the first time that you've heard that. Maybe it is news to you this morning. But each of us, I think, I think if you're honest, you would have this inner sense of what is right and what is wrong. It's, it's called your conscience. We know, um, 
we, we know that each time we do something that is not straightforward, that is not honest, that is not kind, that is not upright, that is not generous, we know that there is this little pang of something within, and we, and we know it's not right. We know that there is something wrong in our attitude or in our, in our behavior. It's this little alarm bell, I think, that the Lord has built into each and every one of us in creation, and we have this awareness of wrongdoing. We do. Remember Paul in in Romans chapter 7? I do the things that I do not want to do. I I hate that I do it, but I but I continue to do it. I mean this it's we we've talked about it so often. We've talked about this idea this this conflict that we have between the Bible says that when we when we have a relationship with Jesus, we have this this new self. But we're in constant battle with the old self. And, and there's this war that's going on within us. But we have this conscience, and we, and we know what's right. We know that's wrong. We know that the Bible tells us that we have all sinned. We, we have all fallen short of God's glorious standard. The standard that, not, not that he created, but, but that he is. He is the standard. And when we look at, at God, we, we, we just recognize that there's no way that we can measure up there. And the Bible tells us that's bad news. <laughs> that's a problem. Sin is a problem because the God who made us in such kindness and generosity also calls us to account. So the God who loves us and created us to live in obedience to him is also the judge, is also the one that has responsibility to call us to account the God who is our creator, he is a judge and he, and we will, we will have to answer to him some, someday. And the bad news is that we just, we can't. Because of the, because of the stuff inside me that is wrong, I've got a problem. I need saving. And that's at the heart of the angel's message to Joseph. That's at the heart. These people, Joseph, they need saving from their sin. And and your son, what is conceived in your wife-to-be's belly, he will save his people from their sin. He will save all people from their sin. This baby that is to be expected will save his people from their sin. So that's the first lesson. The first lesson of the name of Jesus is just that you and I, it's bad news, I know. You and I need saving and there ain't nothing you can do about it. You cannot save yourself. I know, that's terrible news. But the second lesson is actually, uh, it's actually good news. Because the second lesson tells us this. In this baby of Christmas, this Jesus, in Jesus the Lord has come to save us.
I was thinking with the arrival of snow again on Friday, uh, it reminded me a little bit about uh, how we, we all get this mindset of how we drive in the summer, and then all of a sudden snow comes, and what happens? We lose our minds. And maybe not so much here. I mean, I think we're much more level-headed here in Manitoba. But if you've been in British Columbia, if, uh, not so much in the north where I grew up, but boy, in, in Vancouver, uh, when they see snow, their heads pop off. They, they do not know. You do not want to be anywhere near there when it starts to snow. Those people are nuts. And they don't know how to drive when it starts to snow. Calgary, same thing. They get snow in Calgary, but all of a sudden, everybody's driving on the deer foot of 180 miles an hour up north and south, and then all of a sudden, snow goes. You know how fast they go? 180 miles an hour. Same speed. They are crazy. doesn't matter if it's snowy or icy or, or sunny or, or whatever it is. They're crazy. And, I mean, there are so many accidents, the first snowfall in Calgary, because people... Just forget how to drive when it snows. Not so much here, but it it does happen. There are places that you don't want to go after it snows. I'm sure there are places in the United States where, I mean, people in Texas, do they ever see snow? The reason why I was thinking about that, because I I actually did hear about uh, a couple of accidents that did happen on Friday, um, there have been accidents that have been close to, uh, there are uh, from time to time accidents at this intersection out here. I, I am often amazed at the response of our fire departments and our emergency services and our volunteer fire department here in, in McGregor and in Austin. Um, those guys work hard. And uh, they arrive on the scene and sometimes they have their equipment out and, and maybe somebody is trapped in a car and they have to use the jaws of life to get them out of the car because it's too crumpled. We should be thankful for the work that those guys do and, and, I, and, and I commend them for it. The reason that I, I say that is because it reminds me of why Jesus came. Jesus came to be a rescuer. Jesus came on the scene with everything he needed, all the equipment that he needed. He came on the scene to be a rescuer, to be a savior. So the question, if Jesus was sent to this earth 2,000 years ago as a little baby born in a stable, if he was born to save his people from their sin, to be a savior, if that is, if, if that is true, and I, and I just ask you to take me at face value on that, believe that that is tr- the truth because it's recorded for us in the word of God. If that is true, if he is a savior, the, f- the question that follows that statement is what is, this, what is the strategy here? What is the strategy of the baby at Christmas to bring salvation to sinners to face the judgment of God? to save us because we need saving and we can't do it ourselves. So what's the strategy? How is he going to do that? Well, the somber reality of Christmas 
as beautiful as Christmas is, is that it doesn't stop at Christmas because the story that begins in innocence and beauty in the stable and Bethlehem and this wonderful story where there's this baby and shepherds and wise men and all these sorts of things on this starry night, that story finds its climax or its culmination in the agony of the cross. That's the stark reality of Christmas. The story that begins in a manger heads to a cross of shame and agony. And the Bible tells us that the cost of seeing the price of sin, the wages of sin, is death. The message of Christmas is that the baby who came to save sinners, he did it, or he he would do it, by dying in their place. Because the Bible says that the wages or the price of sin is is death. But Jesus wasn't willing that any should die, and he said, I will do that in your place. I will pay the price. He was born that he might die on the cross of Calvary, and in dying, pay the price that is ours to pay, that he would bear the judgment that we deserve, that he, we might be forgiven if we trust in him. So the, the name Jesus, it's familiar enough. But I wonder, do you really know what it means? Do you know the full weight and the significance of the name Jesus? You should call his name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. You and I, we need saving. We've got a problem, whether we know it or not. There's a dangerous situation that's developing. And so do we understand that the child of Christmas who came in innocence and beauty, he came for a purpose, and that purpose was to die for you in your place, that he might save us from our sin, that he would save us from the death that was ours to die. See, that's the meaning of the name Jesus. It's the message of Christmas. It's the invitation of Christmas to receive by faith the gift of salvation that that this child came from heaven to give. Do you believe that? You should call him Jesus for he will save his people from their sin. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the child of Christmas. We thank you for the Lord Jesus. We thank you that he came into the world to save sinners. And we thank you for his beautiful name, for all his beautiful names. We know that he came to save each of us this Christmas, Father. I pray that we would really understand that. We've all heard it now. We've all, we've got no business saying that we have never heard the truth. The truth that you love us, the truth that you weren't willing for us to be left to our own devices, that you sent your son and you called him Jesus because he will save us, his people, from their sin. May we all find that truth inside 
our inner being this Christmas. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.